This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Working for yourself has absolutely no ceiling, but it also has no floor. And it's then all about what you make of it. And I think it's 2022. I think anyone can build anything today. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Today was kind of an eventful day, not really. I went to the DMV, which I have not done in five years. Five years ago, I went to the DMV to get my like horizontal license because I turned 21 and it was such a great DMV experience because obviously I was very excited to turn 21. But today I went because I'm finally a Florida resident. I definitely should have done this a long time ago and it's something that I definitely was postponing. But You have to make an appointment here in Florida, which honestly is kind of nice because I'm not about waiting in like a super long, like two hour line at the DMV, but you do have to make an appointment and they didn't have appointments for like months. So side note, PSA, whoever's listening to this, if you need to go to the DMV, make your appointment now because it takes forever. But I finally, finally became a Florida resident. I didn't realize that they print your ID on the spot, but they do. And I got all like glammed up for my photo because I was like, I know I have to take a new photo. So I'm going to get all nice and cute and ready. I did my hair with like my Dyson Air Wrap, like made sure I look super good, you know, did my makeup as if I'm like going out. And I think I made a mistake. I should have straightened my hair because I forgot how like up close and personal these cameras are. And it just made my hair look kind of poofy, but... All in all, I think it was like a decent photo, but I didn't also, I I didn't want to be that girl that's like, can I actually retake it? The guy was like, okay, like this is your photo. Do you, do you want to retake it? I was like, no, it's fine. (laughs) Even though I definitely probably would have retaken it. I was like, whatever, it's fine. This works. Um, thank you. Because I was definitely the only one that was like really not like dressed up, but like you could tell I, I, I tried for my driver's license photo. And I was like the only one in the DMV that looked like that. And so I didn't want to, you know, be the also the girl that's like, actually, can we like retake it a bunch of times? So anyways, went to the DMV. This is a PSA. Go make a driver's license appointment if you need to. But yeah, I'm the only one now in my family with a Florida ID and not with a North Carolina ID. But I also think, so it's my birthday. My birthday is coming up in April. So it's Aries season, you guys, which means it's the fire signs are coming out. It's so exciting. I think Aries season, in my non-biased opinion, is the best. And I think Aries are probably the best zodiac sign, if I do say so myself. And of course, I'm like not biased at all. But I will say that one good thing about it is that my birthday is coming up. And I told Keon, all I want for my birthday is Disney tickets because he refuses to go to Disney. He thinks that it's like so dumb. He's never been, first of all, which like, okay, you can't really judge it. He went when he was like one, like he doesn't remember it. And so I grew up going to Disney because I grew up in Florida. 
So we would go like multiple times a year. I remember always going like for my birthday and like we would go in the winter. It was just like an occasion. Like we lived three hours away from Disney. It was just super easy to get to when we were younger. So Disney was like a core part of my childhood. And so I told him, I was like, oh my God, we need to go to Disney with you. And I also really want to do like the Epcot drink around the world. I don't know if any of you have done that, but it's pretty much like Epcot is a Disney park where it has different countries in it. So it has Mexico, Japan, China, um, France. It has like a ton of different countries and you can like go around each country and they all have their own rides and their own restaurants but they also have their own bar and you get like an authentic drink from each country so I really want to do that I feel like I will get so drunk I do that because it's a lot of drinks but I think it'd be a lot of fun so I told Keon all I want for my birthday is Disney tickets because he keeps asking me and I'm like that's it like if you really want to get me something (laughs) you have to come to Disney with me And I think the whole point of that, why I'm saying that is because now that I have a Florida ID, I'm pretty sure Disney gives discounts to Florida residents. I think so. I'm going to look that up right now because I don't even know how much Disney tickets are anymore. When I was younger, they were already getting super expensive and it was like $100 a person. I feel like now they're probably like $200 a person, which, you know, he has a point, $200 for a theme park that you like wait in line half the time or like 75% of the time is definitely like not the best use of your time and money, but it's just such an experience. So I definitely think that you have to go. So it says here you can save 40% off on a four-day ticket for Florida residents, but that is not what I want. I just want a one-way ticket or one, I don't know, guys. I think that there is. I oh, want to visit for one day. One day, one park tickets start at $109, depending on the day and the theme park. Florida residents can save on one-day tickets with the park hopper option, which offers one-day admission to multiple theme parks. So, I don't know. Is it only if I get a park hopper? Or, I don't know. We'll figure this out. Honestly, he should figure it out because... I am asking for it for my birthday, but it's fine. So yeah, that's kind of what I did today. That was my eventful day. And now you know, my birthday is coming up. My birthday is April 16th and I feel like I am the truest fire sign. I don't really like care about horoscopes. Like I don't really do that at all. I don't partake in horoscopes. I don't read my horoscope. I just also growing up, like that's just not something that I ever did and it's not something that I really believe in but I do believe in like the personality traits of the zodiac signs and I will say that whenever I read about what an Aries is it's like you're describing myself and so yeah it's Aries season and I am so excited so this year for my birthday you will catch me on a boat I'm really hoping it doesn't rain because it's April and it kind of rains a lot in April um here in Florida so I'm hoping that it doesn't rain that we have good weather last year I did a boat and it was super fun. So I have like a bunch of friends coming in town and we're going to do that. And yeah, anyways, I'm getting super off topic, but I just wanted to share kind of my DMV experience, do a little PSA for you. And then that kind of led me to what my birthday plans were. So now that we're done with that, now that I'm done rambling, we can actually talk about what today's episode is about, which today's episode, I kind of freaked out when I had this guest on the show. You definitely know who it is by the title of the podcast, but I was freaking out. This is a pretty like high profile guest that I've had on the show. So I know you guys already know, but we had Ryan Serhant on the show. And if you do not know who he is, he is a real estate broker, CEO, and the founder of Serhant, which is a vertically integrated mega brokerage compromising an in-house film studio, an education component, marketing division, and technology platform. 
You've probably seen him on TV under Million Dollar Listing. Does that ring a bell? And if not, he's also on YouTube. So he does a lot of like New York City apartment tours on YouTube as well. He's also not only that, like not only is he an amazing realtor, TV show personality, YouTuber, but he's also a best-selling author, producer. And of course, his most popular thing is being the star of Million Dollar Listing and also Sell It Like Sirhant. Today was a very inspiring episode. I'm not going to lie. It was very, very inspiring. Ryan is definitely one of the hardest working people that I feel like I've had on the show and hearing his background was really cool because I, not going to lie, I didn't know any of it. The only thing I ever knew him from was Million Dollar Listing. I didn't know his background. I didn't know how he came to be who he was. I just never knew any of that. And he originally came to New York to be an actor and he gave himself two years to make it. And we talk all about that in here, but side note, he didn't make it as an actor, but that doesn't matter because he actually ended up catapulting his career as a realtor instead. And we talk all about that, how he started into real estate, why he came to New York, his background, his work ethic, how he has his work ethic. It was just incredible. And his story is one that I definitely think needs to be kind of told to show like how he got to where he was because he is one of the most successful real estate agents ever. It's actually insane. So in today's episode, we dive into what it's like to be your own boss and ways to stay accountable to yourself, what it's really like to renovate a home, the power of goal setting and living like your future self, and also networking and marketing strategies. And when I tell you this man is the king of networking, he is the king of networking. He set a goal to meet five people every single day, and he put himself in situations where he was surrounded with people in a higher income bracket to meet his goals, which I know sounds a little weird. But listen to this episode and it'll kind of make sense on why he is where he is and how he got there. And if you are wanting to network and wanting to, you know, really elevate your career and surround yourself with people who have kind of been there and done that, you need to listen to this episode because he definitely shows you the power of networking and how it can really open up so many doors. So anyways, please welcome Ryan Serhant to the show. You know what the best feeling is? When you walk out the door feeling like you can conquer the world because your hair looks amazing. You know those days when your hair shines with confidence? Well, I have something that are going to make those good hair days into a daily reality, which is Way's new hair gloss. I personally have been loving taking care of my hair. I just got a new haircut and at first I was iffy on it, but then the more I've looked at it and the more I've styled it, I actually really love it and I don't think I can go back to super long hair. It's all about how you style it. So I have been meticulous about my hair routine. I've been incorporating Waze hair gloss and it has literally made me love my haircut and love all of the different ways that I can make it look. It's so easy. Just five minutes in the shower and bam, instant shine. And let me tell you, preventing heat damage is a top priority for me. And with hair gloss protecting my hair up to 450 degrees, I can style worry-free. And the best part, my hair hair feels shinier, healthier, and more vibrant than before. If you guys have seen my blowouts on my Instagram or my TikTok, you know that I have been feeling my hair and it has been so shiny. Getting your shine on in the shower with Waze hair gloss is so easy and it's packed with hyaluronic acid and rice water and so it so it not only gives you immediate shine but also treats damage and enhances color vibrancy. And here's the best part, in a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agreed that their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother with Waze hair 
hair gloss. Give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I and use promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code RealReal. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited because I'm very into real estate and I've purchased a home and renovated a home and sold it. So I did a little flip and then I'm looking to buy another one. So I feel like... Where are you? Where are you based? So I'm based in Miami, but I bought my first home in Charlotte where my family is and where I'm from. So Charlotte, North Carolina market is a little easier and less expensive than the Miami one. So I know with the Miami one, I'll have a little bit more trouble. Um, Things go under contract within like an hour. So (laughs) it's a little difficult. (laughs) Yes, they move pretty quickly now. But Miami is such a boom and bust market. Like when it's hot, it's so hot, so expensive. And then when it's not, it's so scary. And like, should I buy here? Is anyone ever going to buy here again? South Americans come back. It's pretty interesting. Right. So right now it's hot. It's very hot right now. (laughs) So hopefully it dips a little bit, but I just feel like it's going to continue to be like a hot market this year. So I'm looking and keeping my options open. Good. Before we get into the topics, I like starting with setting the record straight. So these are some stereotypes and assumptions, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. So mm-hmm. the very okay. first one is that there is no such thing as finding the perfect home. I've worked with buyers who have $400,000 budgets, and I've worked with buyers that have $200 million budgets. And I will tell you, everyone has the same issues. You know, I sold a house, talk about Florida, I sold a house a year ago, last January for $133 million in Palm Beach. They walked into that house. They liked it. Didn't like the kitchen. Yeah. You know, maybe we redo the kitchen. The pool wasn't big enough. Maybe we have to do the... I don't know if we should buy this place. Like same classic issues that you'd have on a much smaller house for $130 million less. So the perfect house, I think, does exist once you make it your own. But there's never going to be something that checks all the boxes because no matter how much money you have, you could always have something. Yeah. Do you ever recommend clients to renovate? Like if they're looking for something super yeah. specific, just to find something they can renovate with good bones? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I, I've, I've done that now twice to an apartment in Soho, a townhouse. It takes a lot. It's expensive, especially now because everything is more expensive since COVID. Access to materials, access to lumber, the price and time to do a renovation is just, it's a lot and it's not for everybody. But then you get exactly what you want. If you can build out a house the way you want it, then you can absolutely build your dream house. Problem is, it's going to be your dream house for a short period of time because life changes, right? Mm-hmm. You have a kid, you have another, like your work channel, all of a sudden you're working from home. Oh, now this isn't my perfect house because where do I work from? Like there's things happen and things change and taking, building a house can take a really, really long time. Um, but it's a, it's a fun thing to do. And I feel like every American should do it. Yeah. It was really fun for me. And I mean, my family has been in like the home renovating and home business for a little bit. So I'm lucky that I have their help and their like experience with it, but it's, yeah. it was really fun kind of seeing the vision come to life. And it's a lot harder than you think too. <laughs> There's so many little things you don't even think about. It's like, well, what do you want the hinges to be? Like the hinges? <laughs> like, yeah. What do you want the all the doorknobs. Do you want them to match? What about interior? What about exterior? What about outdoor space? You know, insulation, wiring, soundproofing the floors. Do you want radiant heat flooring? Do you want this? This, this. It's like 
I, I don't know. That's why we sell so much new construction, fully furnished, because buyers can walk in. They don't have to make any decisions. It's all done. You like it, you don't like it, you can move in tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's honestly the way to go for a lot of people that are indecisive. <laughs> yes. The next one is you need to set goals to be successful. I think you can be accidentally successful. I feel like there's a lot of people in the last two years who've been accidentally successful. But if you're not one of those fortunate people who's gotten lucky or who has become successful without really trying too hard, then I, I don't know how else you do it without setting goals. Like I'm a huge goal setter because it's, it's my game plan. You know, the mm -hmm. goals are my business plan. I don't sit down every year and write out a 20-page business plan. I write out a game plan, which are a series of goals that are weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. And I do my best to exceed them. You know, I try to make them realistic, but push myself. Um, and now, then you have a boss, right? Now your boss is those goals. And those goals are hopefully um, fulfilled by a future you. And that's really who you work for. Yeah, I never heard it said that way. Like that's your boss because I, like I work for myself as well. And so whenever you are self-employed, you know, people would say, oh, it's all great. Like I don't have anyone telling me what to do. I don't have a boss, but you need yeah. to be your own boss and you have to set things that are, like you said, realistic, but challenging or else you're never going to grow and you're never going to kind of reach that next level. And I feel like when you yeah. stay stagnant, you honestly fall behind because things move too quickly. Yeah. And listen, it's hard. Like Entrepreneurship, working for yourself is not for everybody. A lot of people want to do it, but then they realize real quickly that they just like being told what to do. Right? Yeah. They actually, they're going to complain about having a nine to five for the rest of their life, but it's really what they want because they want to check out at night. They want to have their weekends off. They want to have the vacation days and they don't want to have the stress. For me though, that feels like prison. And it feels like <laughs> I, I, it feels even more stressful because you can get fired at any point in time. Your company downsizes or the boss makes a decision. You're just a number. Like, I don't want to live that kind of life. And so, you know, working for yourself has absolutely no ceiling, but it also has no floor. And it's then all about what you make of it. And I think it's 2022. I think anyone can build anything today mm -hmm. if you want to, you know, yeah. and you're going to try hard. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I do think that a lot of people, say that they want to work for themselves or say that they don't want to have a boss. But honestly, I think sometimes it's easier because you have those expectations. You know how every day is going to go. You know exactly what you need to do and you can clock out and not have to think about it anymore. So I agree. I think that that's what a lot of people want. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that either. And then the next thing also is buying homes and renovating homes isn't as glamorous as it looks on TV, which I kind of, I mean, I know we kind of touched on glamorous. that. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not glamorous. I, so we did a renovation spinoff show of Million Dollar Listing on Bravo called Ryan's Renovation. Um, I think it was the most stressful four episodes of television ever. <laughs> like it was just, it was just brutal. Um, and you know, we had a one-year renovation that ended up being three years. You don't anticipate it. But the problem is once you open up a house, then more things start to come to front. Like you, you then you're realizing you're spending all this money to do one thing that why would you skimp out and not spend money over here? Like you're just going to kick yourself later. So like I did it on my first apartment ever that I sold to myself. I was going to just redo the kitchen and one bathroom because the other bathrooms are fine. But then once you're there, you're like, wait a minute, let me think this through. 
Am I really then going to have two old bathrooms and one new bathroom in the same apartment? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to sell this? Mm-hmm. And then, then the floors were kind of weird. So I was like, all right, so let's do the other two bathrooms and then the floors. And then when we did that, we're like, yeah, but we got to change the baseboards. All right, now let's add in a Sonos system. Okay, let's do, let's, we should change the lighting. And I went from doing a kitchen and one bath remodel to doing a gut renovation. <laughs> it just sort of steamrolls that way. And it is not as glamorous. It takes forever. It's a lot of waiting. It's a lot of waiting on the trades because if the plumber doesn't show up for one day, then the carpenter can't show up the next day. Then the electrician can't show up because the plumber didn't do their work. And then the general contractor is going to blame the other guy who's blaming the other guy who's blaming the other guy. And now you've lost two weeks. And then yeah. round and round and round again. Yeah, that happened to me with the cabinets. Like our cabinets took forever to come in. And that delayed so many things that then delayed the house being done. And then it prevented me from selling it like the month that I wanted to sell it. You know, so it was just like a chain reaction. I think it's best not to plan. Well, no, you have to plan, but not to be married to the date or because it's just never going to happen. It's going to get pushed back. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm curious, how did you get into real estate? Because you were like the number one real estate agent. I feel like you have a TV show. You have made hundreds of millions of dollars and or billions of dollars in sales. How do you get into it from the beginning? I moved to New York City when I graduated college because I wanted to do theater. I wanted to be an actor. Um, it was the only thing I was ever good at. It was what I majored in in school and I kind of performed all over the place. And it was the one thing I knew I had to try. My grandfather had died and left like me and my brothers, my sisters... Like uh, like twenty thousand dollars a piece, and so that was like my New York money, you know, plus some like construction job money that I had made because I, I worked in construction every summer. And I said, okay, I'm going to go and give myself two years, two years in New York to make something happen, um, where I'm not going to get a survival job, I'm not going to wait tables, I'm not going to be a bartender, I'm going to live on this and just see if I can make it happen. So you know, it is hard to do that on twenty thousand yeah. uh, dollars in New York City. It's very tough. You know, my intro rent was like 1100 bucks, and then there's food and all the stuff. I got by by doing a couple of things. I got on a soap opera called As the World Turns, and then they killed me off a couple months later. I hand modeled. That actually paid my bills for a while. And then I ran out of money in the summer of 2008. And it was either move home, and my parents at the time were in Colorado, and like live on a ranch, or go back to school, or get a survival job, like get a temp job, you know, wait tables, bartend, classic actor's journey. Uh, But then I had a friend who said, listen, don't do any of that. Make your own hours, work for yourself, go to this school, uh, get your real estate license. You can get it in a week and just rent apartments. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to do anything. Just It's all just theater. It's the same thing. All I have to do is memorize information about buildings. You submit ads for people to call you, which is exactly what you do as an actor. And then you meet people and then it's improv. Just say yes to everything and and then you walk them around. And then you don't have to build the apartment. You don't have to do anything. Once they say, oh, I like this one. What, we should, what should we do? You say, let's submit an application <laughs> and follow me around. And so I did that and said, all right, that sounds terrible, but fine. Uh, I'll do it. And I became addicted to it. Like, you know, when you're in New York City working for yourself as an actor, what you're really doing is spending money every day to survive. Yeah. And it's really hard to make money and it's really hard to get work. And it's all personal right? Like theater, acting, modeling, it's all personal rejection to your face because of your face, right? Because of your weight, because of your height, because of your nose. You know, it's very, very personal. When I got into real estate, 
I would spend all day running around with a client. And if they didn't take an apartment, it wasn't because of my nose or my hair or my height. It was because they found another one or they decided they weren't going to move or something. It was never personal that way. And I just, I just saw it became a volume business. It was like, wait a minute. If I rented a $2,000 apartment today, my commission would be $2,000. And then I'd split it with the brokerage company 50-50. So then it's $1,000. And all I had to do was meet a stranger, show them apartments that are not mine. They pick one. I help them with a little paperwork and they pay me. What if I did that every day? What if I did one rental a day? I could make $365,000 in a year. Oh my God, I'd never seen money like that. And then I didn't take a day off for the first three years, not a single day, because I'm not from New York City. I didn't go to the schools here. I didn't grow up rich. Like I didn't have a network. I didn't have anybody helping me. So I just knew that when everyone else was going to take a day off or go to the Hamptons or go skiing or go to Florida, I would be in New York taking their business. Yeah, that's um, incredible. And did you meet the $365,000 a year goal from the beginning? No, my first year, I made $9,188. And that sucked. Uh, my second year, I think I broke a hundred. And then my third year, I made half a million. And then from there on, it was just a rocket ship. It's really hard your first couple of years as an entrepreneur to get started because no one knows you and no one cares. Why you? There are 80,000 real estate agents in this city, in New York alone. There's millions and millions and millions of them with no salaries and no benefits, just eating what they kill in the United States, right? Tens of millions of them around the world. And so to make a name for yourself and build a brand for yourself is really important. Like that's why we, you know, we have an education platform now and we have a brand course where we teach people, salespeople, people with podcasts, everybody, you name it how to create a brand. How do you create a personal brand from scratch that the world will know so that you can generate leads, generate customers, and generate sales, no matter what it is you're selling. And it's like, it's the way of the world now. But it took me, took me a couple of years to figure it out. That's crazy though. I mean, I feel like also it shows that you can grow and that there is so much potential in it. And you saw that potential from the beginning. You know, from your first sale or your first commission, you saw, oh my God, I can make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this if I just worked hard enough. So I think that's honestly incredible. How did you break into the luxury market though? You, I mean, like you said, there are tens of thousands of realtors in New York City. So how were you the one to, to break into that really, really competitive market? I wasn't the only one. I mean, there's a lot of us. Um, yeah. The good thing about a place like New York and any market really is that there are lots of other humans. So even though, yes, there are lots of other agents, if you work every day at generating leads, meeting as many people as you can. Like when I first started, I made a rule for myself. You talk about goals. I, I saw that like I couldn't change my circumstances. Like, I couldn't mm -hmm. change my apartment just yet. I couldn't change how much money I had in my pocket. I couldn't change where I was born, who my parents were, where I went to school. It is what it is. I'm here now. But I could change my energy. Right? I can project myself into the future so that I can start behaving today as if I was the greatest real estate agent the world has ever known. <laughs> and if someone asks me if I'm the greatest, I'm not going to say yes. If they ask me what I've sold, I'm going to tell them I sold one thing. Right? So you're not lying. You're not faking it till you make it. Right? You are becoming future you today. 
you hold your shoulders a little higher. You smile a little bit more, right? You feel far more positive. And that power of positive energy is a really real thing. So in order to get into more expensive listings, I just made sure that I surrounded myself with more expensive people. Like there's wealthy people everywhere. If you, you know, if you're in the real estate business in any market, if you're doing $200,000 sales or $1,000 a month rentals, and you hang out with those people, they have $200,000 friends with $200,000 problems, right? And you're going to get stuck there. You want to have million dollar friends, million dollar problems, and million dollar referrals, you know, because people hang out with people like them. Because someone who has millions of dollars and is able to buy and sell expensive homes, for the most part, doesn't often hang out with people that can afford a lot less because they can't complain to those people. And friendship groups are surrounded by people that share good things, but also share bad things, right? Misery loves company. Someone with a private jet is not really hanging out with a whole lot of other people that don't have private jets because those people aren't going to care, right? When right. the jet doesn't work or, yeah. you know, something. So I, I took it slowly. I surrounded myself with people that were far more successful than I was and wealthier than I was. One of the things that I started doing was I couldn't really afford it. You know, I work out in the city. So instead of going to the cheap gym that I could afford, I got an Equinox membership that was for every Equinox in New York City. And I would go to all of them. Because if you can afford to go to Equinox and you live in that area and you live in Soho, let's say, you probably have a nice apartment in Soho because you can afford a $500 initiation fee and 150 bucks a month just to work out. And so I would meet my first clients then at expensive gyms because I was surrounding myself with people that were in expensive locations. Same thing like when you fly, right? You can fly private or you can fly and make sure that you spend the extra money, even though you don't need to, right? Spend the extra money to fly business class or first class because the people that are around you can afford it, even if you can't. You then just have to have the goal that you're going to meet as many people as you can. Who's sitting next to you? Say hello. Introduce yourself, right? How can we help each other? You don't annoy them. You're not going to harass them the whole flight. You're not going to be that person. You're not going to hold their hands, yeah. right? But make use of creating those relationships. You never know. The greatest pickup line in the history of the world is hello. Yeah. <laughs> if you understand that and use that, you will be wildly successful. Yeah. And where is the coolest place you've met someone? Because I feel like you're like amazing at networking and you, you network in in different places, but what's been one of the, the coolest or most interesting or most random ways that you've networked and met someone? New Zealand, bungee jumping. I got married in 2016 and we went on our honeymoon to New Zealand because we were like, where should we go that will be really difficult to get to when we're much busier and we have kids and the whole thing? Let's go around the world. New Zealand sounds far. And it is. It, took us a, it takes 24 hours to get there. It's insane. But for Americans, it's also super expensive. Like you don't go to New Zealand on a weekend. When you get there, you have to stay in nice places. Like it's, it's, a, it's a trip. And there's this bungee jump place called the Nevis Jump, which is like a thousand feet down into a crevice. It's terrifying. I would never do it in my whole life. But we went up there anyway, because it's pretty famous. <laughs> and I met someone up there that was like a cool person uh, in finance from New York City. Anyway, like, we, we, we swapped information because we were both terrified. 
And like two months later, they reached out to me and said, Hey, I don't know if you remember, we met bungee jump thing in, in New Zealand. Anyway, my, my parents are looking to buy a place in the city. Um, you know, their budget's like 10 million. Do, do you do that? <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I do do that. And see, they would have just gone on Zillow or like talked to another friend or something. So I, I, I told you like that initial goal that I had when I first started was I got to meet five people a day. That was the rule. Five new people every day. And I think everybody should have that goal. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're new, if you, anyone listening, like whatever it is you're doing in your life, like the secret sauce is, is other people. Like you learn to use people for your own benefit and you can do anything. And I tell every agent, every person who works for me, like you got to meet five new people every day. And if you're aggressive, you can do 15, right? And that's like, that can be garbage man. It could be anyone, it doesn't matter, right? You do that enough, five times 365 is a lot of people. And then it'll start pushing you to make calls. You know, like, you know what? Who, who is that person I saw that went to the same school? I mean, let me just call that person and say hello. Or let me email them or let me text them. Or let me DM them. Anything is possible when you say hello. Yeah. And how did you get so motivated and so driven to do this? Because you seem like a very self-motivated person. Like you don't need someone to tell you what to do or to, to motivate you. You can do that yourself. Have you always been like that? I don't think so. You know, like million dollar listing was very stressful at the beginning when we started because everyone watched Bravo when the show started in 2012. There was no streaming networks. You weren't sitting there watching Netflix. None of this stuff existed. You weren't watching YouTube on your phone, right? There was just television and movies and stuff. And so, um, you know, Millionaire Listening, when it came out, aired to 25 million people around the world. And Bravo told us, if you're good on the show, everyone will know it. If you're bad on the show, everyone will know it. And it was like a metaphorical shotgun to the face to be great. And I think I just really like winning. Like I'm not <laughs> motivated by money. Money is a tool. It is uh, a default that is attached to success in our business. I'm very much motivated by winning. Like I just want to win and I want to disrupt and I want to beat everybody all the time. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that's definitely what drives me. Were you into sports when you were younger or like very competitive when you were younger? No. So I don't know what happened to me. I was like the worst <laughs> athlete ever. My parents made me play every single sport known to man. I was like the worst right fielder in baseball. I was like the center in football. I played tennis, hockey, basketball. My parents are very much about like being well-rounded. You take every course because you just don't know. You try everything. Um, and one of my favorite quotes now is, I'd rather regret the things I did than the things I never tried. Because you just don't know. Like, you just don't know. Like, how can you, how can you knock something if you don't know? Like, you don't know. I think it's also maybe you found something that you like really, really love and enjoy. And so you're more motivated to do really well in it. But when did you realize you were good at real estate? And when did you realize you were good at selling houses? Pretty early on, you know, I, once once people started coming to me, I think is when I realized, okay, I guess I'm doing this well enough that people are willing to refer me to other mm -hmm. people. You know, that's what you want to like the classic in sales. And listen, we're all in sales in some way, shape or form. You're selling yourself, you're selling your services, you're selling your content, you're selling a house, you're selling, whatever it is. Everyone is in sales in some way. Okay? And you want to be in a position where people are referring you 
whether you're making money off of them or not, however you build your business or build your brand or you know, build your awareness, you want to be so good at what you do that everyone you come in contact with is like, wow, she was awesome. She crushes it. Hey, you, you, have you talked to her? You should totally talk to her. You know, like that's, that's what you want. And when that started happening in probably like 2011, you know, so like 11 years ago, I think that's when I was like, okay, I think I can make a career out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I sold a lot of houses in very difficult markets. Like you talk about Miami now, houses are in the market for an hour. Sure, not as hard now. But when the market was tough, like after Lehman Brothers files for bankruptcy and there's the Great Recession and no one can get a loan and houses are sitting in the market for an average of 400 days, if you can figure out how to sell a house then with the market that I grew up in, like that's, that was my boot camp. That's how I started. Then you can be really good at selling anything because there's mm-hmm. nothing that someone can do in a deal that you now haven't seen. Yeah. And you're very successful. You have goals. You're very driven. Do you set like roadmaps for yourself? So I know you set goals, but do you say like, okay, this is the goal I want to achieve. This is how I'm going to get there. I'm going to do X, Y, Z by this period of time. Or how do you accomplish those? Like what's your kind of system for accomplishing them? Um, Just sort of checks and balances. I don't do them 100% by myself. You Mm -hmm. know, we use things called like accountability buddies, right? Like don't just write your goals down and stick them in your purse or you know your pocket and then don't tell anybody because it's so easy to lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. So easy to then like forget. Like we in our company here, we make all of our goals very public. We keep successes, you know, we we make those public too, but like we're not like ringing a bell every time someone sells something so that it's like, "Hey, this person's amazing. Everyone else, you suck today because they're amazing." No, I'd rather them have the stress of having their goals be public. So at the end of the year, people can say, oh, did you hit the goal you set for yourself because Mm. you're your own boss? That puts pressure on you. And so we use a system called OKRs, right? Which is a goal setting system through a company called ProfitCo. And it makes the goal setting process, you know, uh, pretty streamlined and helps everyone stick to it. And then you break it down. It's like anything. It's like, all right, so you want to sell a $10 million apartment this year. That's your goal. Okay. so. How? How do you get there? Mm-hmm. You never sold one before. What are you going to do? What's the ladder look like? How many people do you have to reach out to to try to get to one person that can afford something like that or has something like that? Right? Like really break out the steps. It's a classic line, right? Like a dream without a plan is just a dream. Yeah, I know. I I think a lot of times people do that. Like people will say that they set goals and they'll yeah. sure they'll they'll say them and they'll write them down, but it's always private that honestly, by the middle of the year, you don't even remember the goals you set. It's kind of like New Year's resolutions. Like if you have a New Year's resolution to do something, most people give up on that three weeks into January. You know, it's over, it's done. So I I agree that having that accountability buddy is so important. And I know that you recently launched your business as well. Well, recently, semi-recently. Why did you decide to launch that? And why did you decide it was time to launch that business? And also you can tell us a little bit more about what it is as well. Sure. So, I mean, I was a real estate agent for 12 years. I got into it in 2008. And in 2017, I decided it was time to really go out and do it on my own. Um, I wanted to start my own company. Life is too short to not start your own company. I think everyone should start their own company. I think everyone can. It depends on what kind of business you want to do. But I think being an entrepreneur and starting your own company is one of the gifts that living in this country or living in 2022 allows you to do. As much as my parents might have wanted to in the 60s, 
Like it just wasn't in the cards for them, you know? But now, now you can. You can just do anything. Start a whole business from your phone. Start a whole business from TikTok. So you can do whatever you want today. And so I decided to start my own business in 2017. But I, I didn't want to do it until I was 1,000% ready. And because I had a good business. Like we had a great sales business, a great sales team. So it wasn't like I was just sitting on my hands and then delaying, right? One of the things I hate the most is analysis paralysis. So um, it wasn't that. It was just about being ready. And I wasn't able to leave the company I was at until July 1st, 2020. That was my, that was my contract. And so I just started preparing, planning, figuring out what this was going to be. Am I going to start a brokerage like everybody else? Am I going to make something that's different, make something that's fun? What's it going to be? And then COVID hits, right as I'm about to start this thing in the beginning of 2020. And I had one day where I was like, do I really do this? Like everyone stopped buying apartments. Like no one's buying real estate right now. The world is completely shut down. There are riots in the streets. Mm -hmm. Who knows when anyone's going to go back to work? Schools are shut down. Like, what do we, what do we do? And then I woke up the next day and was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> no one in their right mind is starting a business in September, 2020 in New York City, let alone a residential yeah. real estate business. <laughs> I asked people, I asked everyone, I asked people on the streets. I dressed up like a superhero, made a YouTube video for it. And I had a six foot pole so I could socially distance from everyone. And I stood in front uh, in Tribeca on the streets. And I said, hey, my name is Ryan Serhant. I'm starting a residential real estate brokerage in New York City. Do you think it's a good idea? And everyone was like, Are you, do you have COVID? Are you sick? Are you sick? Are you okay? <laughs> That's the worst idea I've ever heard. And so I, I just thought that that was all the more reason to do it. Right? I didn't want to start a business when everyone was starting businesses because then no one cares. Let's start a business when no one is starting businesses. And let's fuel our growth with all of the crazy people who are going to assume we are. And so the Wall Street Journal wrote about it in a front page article on September 15th, 2020. And we launched. And it's been an incredible ride for the last year and a half. And we are a content to commerce real estate firm. We are not a traditional real estate brokerage. We don't have offices. Um, we don't have desk hierarchy for agents. We're not putting listings in the window. We have an in-house production company that creates content for our agents, our developers, our clients, and they create those stories. We probably put out four pieces of content a day. That content generates customers, which are salespeople and people who need salespeople. They then get together, they create new content, and round and round and round we go. And we sell real estate at the end of the day. We sell educational courses and training, coaching for... We're now at... you know We have a... The program's called Sell It Like Sirhan. We have lots of courses, a whole curriculum. If you want to build a sales career, if you want to get to real estate, if you want to sell anything, you want to build your personal brand, our team is huge and is there to help you. And we've now done it in a short period of time with, I think, 10,300 salespeople in 109 countries. Um, and then we have the brokerage. The brokerage dominates. And it's awesome. We've grown 30% in the last three weeks. It's been pretty insane so far. And that's what we do. And that's what we started. And it's called Sirhan with a period at the end. I named it after myself. <laughs> I love it. I mean, congratulations though. And I also think that the content is the content production side is so important because people are finding things now on the internet. You don't have to put an ad on the in a glass window on a busy street when you have Instagram, when you have TikTok, when you have YouTube. You know, yeah. I think that nowadays that's the way people are finding homes. That's the way people are finding agents. That's yeah. why people are hearing about these listings. 
And that's how it's way easier to refer people to them. You just hit a button rather than, you know, taking a photo, contacting someone, sending it to a friend, you know, so I think it's or driving by a neighborhood and seeing a for sale sign. Like it's so much easier to do things online and to make things look beautiful. Like if you have the production in house, I mean, yep. I've, I've been looking at listings and some photos that people post, I'm like, why would you choose this as the, as the image to sell this house? It's like, you don't want to sell the house. We just put out a video. I think it was this Sunday or on our blog that um, it's called YouTube Gone Wild. I'm oh, no, sorry, uh, Zillow Gone Wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just was like us commenting on the worst listings ever that are just completely insane. Yeah. Like there was one I remember I saw it was in Miami and it was this like really tiny, not nice house at all. And like selling for way more than it should, honestly. But in front of the house was like a bright yellow Lamborghini. And it was like, they took so many photos of the Lamborghini. Yeah. I'm like, are you yeah. selling the house or the car? Yeah, <laughs> people do this? that all the time. <laughs> Especially in Miami. That is so common there to have like a nice car in front of like a really small, not that yep. great of a house. <laughs> yeah, Miami and LA, they love their cars. They love the flash. Yeah. They love the story. <laughs> they love the dream, selling the dream. Exactly. And I know you're super busy, but what does your day-to-day look like? Do you have a, a common schedule or any routine in your days? I mean, kind of. You know, I work six days a week. Saturdays are for the baby if I'm here. I travel a lot for work, give speeches, meet with salespeople, open up offices everywhere. And so it's a lot. But like if I'm in New York City and it's so like today... I wake up at 4.30. I'm in the gym by 5.15. I work out till 6.30, 6.45. I'm answering emails. I'm reading the news. I'm understanding where we are. I clean up and set my day the night before. So I you know, have a clean inbox, clean text messages. I'm not behind on anything. I know exactly what I need to do. My first calls or meetings always start at 7.30. Um, so I shower, get dressed. I'm out the door by 7.30. And then I'm booked on the 15-minute mark for the most part. You know, sometimes they're blocks. So that this is three blocks of 15 minutes. But I, I can get a lot done in 15 minutes. I've learned over the years. I've spent so much time in hour, two hour long meetings or lunches or dinners. We're like, I, we really could have gotten this done in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I want to squeeze as much out of my day as I possibly can. So starting at 730, I'm on the 15 minute mark, basically until 730. You know, the work days are about 12 hours in person. And then I either have like a dinner event or I am dinner at home if I'm eating dinner that day because I'll intermittent fast depending on the day. And then I'm answering email, cleaning up the day, preparing for the next day until 10 or 11. And then I pass out. I don't remember going to bed. I try to plug in my phone, set my alarm, wake up at 4.30 and do it all. Wow. Do you ever feel like you're burnt out or what do you do to relax? I relax on Saturdays with the baby. I enjoy working out in the mornings because no one else is awake and mm-hmm. I can just do whatever I want to do. But I don't know. Like I, I don't want to slow down because life is so, 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 so short. Yeah. Like I don't ever want to waste a single day. Like I, I, I just think it's such a gift that we have to even be here on earth today. Like the chance of us not existing was so much greater, right? Than the chances mm-hmm. of us actually existing and we get to be here. So like, why mess it up? Why not mm-hmm. take advantage of life and soak it up? And I'm not the smartest person, you know, in the room. Like, I didn't go to MIT. I wasn't born incredibly wealthy. Like, so I've had to hustle and just figure it out. And I think that if you're the hardest worker in the room, 
and you try harder than anyone else, like there's amazing possibilities. You're still going to have up days and down days, just like everybody else. Like I told you, like I am incentivized to win. Like I just want to yep. do more. As long as I am doing more today than I did yesterday, then, then it's 100% worth it. No, that's incredible. And I mean, you've accomplished so much. And if you think about it, like when you started, it doesn't feel like 2011, you said you started in real estate. Yeah. 2008. I started the day Lehman Brothers fought for bankruptcy and the Great Recession kicked off. That was like my first day. Got it. Yeah. So one, you started in already a challenging time. Um, yes. You launched your business in a challenging time. So I think that that's very symbolic, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that like, doesn't seem like it's that long ago. Like 2008, yeah, obviously it's over a decade, but it doesn't feel like, oh my God, like that's forever ago. And you've accomplished so much going from being an actor that had to work, you know, random jobs and hand model and, you know, not know how you're going to live in New York and potentially move back home to literally selling billions. So I think that that's really, really incredible and honestly just a testament to hard work. Yeah, but it's, it's not just me. Like I think anybody can do it. You know, you don't, mm -hmm. even with real estate, like I didn't get into real estate because I love real estate. Even now, I don't love real estate. I don't get like excited about crown molding and <laughs> kitchens and stone. Like I don't, I don't go walk through furniture stores because I love design. Like I, real estate is, the real estate business anyway, has nothing to do with the real estate. Mm -hmm. The real estate is just the widget, right? It's just the product. The real estate business is all about deal making right? Mm -hmm. Lead generation. And so if you can create relationships and connect buyers to sellers, sellers to buyers, you can do anything. And then you don't need college or higher education. Yeah. You need to be able to talk, you need to be able to write, and you need to be able to be on top of the ball and move incredibly quickly, yeah. which I find to be the hardest for most people. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's mind boggling to me, actually. Yep. Before we go, I wanted to close off with what is the best advice that you've ever received? I know we talked about a lot of it here, but is there anyone that really has impacted the way that you live and the way that you work? Yeah, kind of along the lines of my, my, my favorite quote that I mentioned, right? Which is, I'd rather regret the things I did than the things I never tried, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, my sister, uh, Misty, who's had an incredible career as well, when I moved to New York, she told me, right, that like, if it works with acting, great. If it doesn't, it's going to work with something else. So no speed bump is a brick wall. Like, you're not going to cry. You're not going to pick up and go home. No speed bump is a brick wall. There's always tomorrow. But also, you got to ask yourself, what would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm -hmm. And at first, you're like, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Good question. I'll, I'll think about it. I'd fly, right? I'd jump yeah. off a building and I'd, I'd learn how to fly. But then when you really, really think about it, you're like, wait a minute. Like, what would I attempt to do if I knew I couldn't fail? Would I start my own company in New York City in the middle of a pandemic while Soho's on fire? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Let's do that. Without any help, like without investors, without a bank, without anyone helping you, you can do it 100% by yourself. See if you can do it. Yeah, I think so. Right? You just got to say yes, like the power of yes. Just say yes and figure it out. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on my podcast. I think this conversation was amazing. And thank you. Where can they find you? Where can they find your company, their education resources? You can find me everywhere. Anywhere you can type <laughs> and spell my name, Ryan Serhance. You know, you, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, 
our website. If you want real estate, it's sirhint.com. Books everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on my podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Thank you.